The Can He Do That podcast is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Are you looking to learn a thing or two about getting your finances in order, saving, and investing? Then check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. On Monday, January 30th, Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee voted to release an important four-page memo written by Chairman Representative Devin Nunez. President Trump then had five days to review the document and make a decision on if this memo should or shouldn't be released. And so, on Friday, amid a lot of controversy from both sides of the aisle, President Trump chose to declassify the memo and release it to the public. So what's in this memo? Why is it so important? What's all this controversy about? And why does any of that matter? This is Can He Do That? A podcast about the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Carol Alderman, and I'm an audio producer here at The Washington Post. And today I'm joined by national security reporter Matt Zabotowski. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. So let's start at the beginning here. Where did this memo come from? What's it all about? Yeah, so this memo has, in ways it's been months in the making. Devin Nunes has been doing a sort of investigation of the Russia investigation of the FBI and the Justice Department. He's the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, which means he has some oversight of authority of the intelligence agencies, and that includes the FBI and the Justice Department. So as a part of his oversight work, he's been digging into the Russia investigation. And one of the things he's been particularly interested in is sort of the origins of this thing and, and what the FBI and the Justice Department did. So for months and months, he is reviewing materials that the Justice Department gives him. He's interviewing witnesses, some that the Justice Department has to give him access to. And then this month, he sort of comes up or his staff sort of comes up with this memo. Uh, It's four pages long, not even four pages long. It, It, we hear early this week, lays out what he sees as abuses by the Justice Department and the FBI in the, in the course of their getting a particular foreign intelligence surveillance court, court warrant on a former Trump campaign advisor. We, we sort of hear about it early this week because members of the Freedom Caucus, which is like a group of Republicans in the House who are very conservative, sort of agitate for its release. They all review this document and they decide they want to get it out. So all week we're sort of hearing about this because they're agitating for its release. Because Devin Nunes' work is involves reviewing sensitive materials and interviewing witnesses who have access to sensitive information, it's classified. So there's a lot of drama about whether it it can or can't be released. But anyway, that's the origin of it. So the House Intelligence Committee votes to release it. They say that it's something they want to do. And it goes to President Trump. President Trump says it's something he wants to declassify. And then we hear about it for several more days. Why did Republicans want this thing to become declassified and why were Democrats sort of against it? So it's even a little more complicated than that. 
this thing, as I mentioned, had a lot or purportedly had a lot of sensitive classified information. At least it relied on sensitive classified information to be created, even if it didn't itself contain that. So last week, the Justice Department sends a letter to Devin Nunes and says, please don't release this without letting us take a look. But Devin Nunes is resistant to that. He's sort of like, look, you're kind of the target of my investigation. I'm not going to let you take a look. So Democrats, kind of in a reversal of what we usually see, they line up with the Justice Department and the FBI and say, look, gosh, this could have sensitive national security information. We can't release this. So that's kind of phase one of the battle. On Sunday, Chris Ray, who's the director of the FBI, goes over and gets a chance to look at it and see if there are sensitive things that need to be taken out. It seems like at that point, the Justice Department and the FBI back away from the argument that it might contain sensitive information. But they later in the week, they kind of switch up and they say, this memo is inaccurate. It's just so short. It leaves out such critical details. It's really going to unfairly portray the FBI and the Justice Department as having abused their surveillance authority with respect to this former Trump campaign aide. You can't release this because it's just incomplete and inaccurate. Republicans really want this thing out. And cynics would say they want this thing out because they think it will help them discredit the Russia investigation. At issue here is surveillance of a former Trump campaign advisor. It's one of the key early things in the Russia investigation. So if you can sort of point out how that was flawed, how the FBI abused its authority to get that warrant, then maybe you can discredit other parts of the the Russia investigation. Maybe you can say, well, this whole thing stems from this sort of poisonous warrant. So cynics say, look, Republicans are just using this to lay the groundwork to discredit Mueller, and they're cherry-picking facts to do that. Republicans, though, say, look, this is a part of our legitimate oversight authority. We're pointing out what we see as real abuses of the Justice Department's surveillance authority, of the FBI in its surveillance authority. So we're, we, we believe the American people need to know that, and that's why we want this out. Okay, so we get to Friday, mm-hmm. and President Trump decides he's going to release the memo. Then what happens? Well, yeah, and before that, there had been some back and forth. You know, Chris Ray, uh, Rod Rosenstein, who's the deputy attorney general, had gone over and sort of begged the president, hey, don't release this. But he always wanted this released, and, you know, you can understand why. So uh, he decides he's not going to stand in the way of its release. The House Intelligence Committee is actually the ones who voted to have it released, but he had five days to sort of stand in their way and block it. He has long indicated that he's not going to stand in the way. And today he sort of formally said, yes, let's release it. He sends it back to the House within the hour. It might have even been within a half hour. It goes up online, all four pages in in all their glory. And it lays out you know, largely what we had heard about all week. It, it A lot of it is simply Republican talking points about why, you know, they believe they, meaning Republicans, believe that the FBI abused its surveillance authority to surveil this former Trump campaign advisor. And it's a little complicated and weedy, um, so I'll try to go through it somewhat <laughs> slowly. Uh, they say that to get the warrant to surveil this former Trump campaign advisor, a guy by the name of Carter Page, the FBI relied on information in this controversial dossier. This is a document produced by a former British intelligence officer, a guy named Chris Steele, that alleges, I mean, there's some lurid allegations involving Trump that I'm sure everyone has heard about, but also just 
broad allegations of contacts between, uh, you know, the Trump campaign and Kremlin officials. This dossier was funded or it was sort of commissioned by an opposition research firm, Fusion GPS, that had been hired at that point by the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's campaign. So why is that important? That's important because Republicans are saying, look, you relied on information that at the end of the day is funded by the Democrats to get a warrant to surveil a former Trump campaign advisor. And that's just not good. You don't want political interests to be able to drive investigations, let alone to be able to drive investigations that result in a rival campaign of being surveilled. Republicans say that that isn't good. And that is the main thrust of what's in the memo. The memo says that information in the dossier was used to get this warrant to surveil Carter Page. There's a number of reasons that that's sort of controversial and in dispute, and I'm sure we can get into those. Yeah. So one of the points that it makes in the memo is that it outlines all of the people that have to approve this warrant. Who are those people and why should we care about them? Right. So it names... It names several people. The warrant that's got here is called a FISA warrant, which is a warrant under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. And, you know, when you're going to surveil people electronically, there's a lot of hurdles you have to jump through. You know, in America, we sort of have this value that the government can't just do that. They can't be watching us all the time. There has to be good reason. And because of that, there are a lot of hurdles that you have to clear to get these warrants. They're very extensive. They're reviewed by people at the highest levels. So that's that includes James Comey, the former FBI director, Andrew McCabe, uh, who took over as FBI director after he's fired and who is the deputy FBI director, Sally Yates, who was the acting attorney general for a while, before that the deputy attorney general, Dana Bente, who acted in both capacities too as the attorney general and the deputy attorney general, and Rod Rosenstein, who is actually Trump's deputy attorney general. He you know, nominated him and Rod Rosenstein was confirmed by the Senate. All of these you know, high level people in the Justice Department touch it. So can you go into a little bit? People are saying this could be used for Trump to get rid of Rod Rosenstein. Why is he such a key player and why would people be concerned about that? Yeah. So Rod Rosenstein is the number two at the Justice Department now, which is a very important role just on its own. But he's almost even more important because he is supervising the special counsel's investigation into whether the Trump campaign coordinated with the Kremlin to influence the 2016 election. He's supervising that because Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, uh, was sort of a surrogate on Trump's campaign and is recused from supervision of that. So Rod Rosenstein is the guy. And if Trump can remove Rod Rosenstein, he can maybe install somebody else who would exert more control over the special counsel's investigation. The special counsel investigation is sort of led by Robert Mueller. I think everybody knows that. But he reports up to Rod Rosenstein. Rod Rosenstein can veto his decisions and he sort of approves the scope of Bob Mueller's probe. So Rod Rosenstein is a really important figure, particularly in this whole Trump-Russia investigation. Right. And so that, what you outlined right there, is really a major concern of a lot of Democrats right now, um, that Trump would do that to maybe maybe get one step closer to stopping the Russia investigation, which he does not like. He does not like this Mueller investigation. Is that a real concern? Is that feasible? So before I read the memo, 
we had a lot of reporting to suggest that President Trump really saw this memo as a way he could force changes at the Justice Department. And he particularly saw it as a way he could maybe force changes with Rod Rosenstein. And we know that he doesn't really like Rod Rosenstein. I mean, all of our reporting suggests, you know, if he could get rid of him, he would. But having read the memo, it would be tough to build a case just off of this memo to get rid of Rod Rosenstein, in my opinion. I just don't know that it is forceful enough. Now, maybe the president sees, things, sees it differently. Maybe he reads this and thinks, wow, this alleges huge abuses. Why aren't these under control? I better get rid of Rod Rosenstein. I think interestingly, though, today in response to the memo's release, the Justice Department issued a statement, and it was in the name of the attorney general. So they're almost sort of shifting Rod Rosenstein to the side here, and the attorney general is wearing these criticisms, who is Jeff Sessions. Could the president use this to get rid of Rod Rosenstein? I mean, look, he doesn't really even need a reason. He could just fire Rod Rosenstein or demand that Rod Rosenstein be fired. But, uh, you know, at this point in the day, we haven't seen any movement towards that, but I guess we'll see. (laughs) So... What have we been seeing? Have we seen a lot of reactions from Republicans, from Democrats? Have we seen any reaction from the White House? All of the above. I mean, we knew given this week that this was going to be really controversial. Sort of the reaction we're seeing today, we saw every day this week with Democrats, you know, decrying this thing, saying it contains a number of inaccuracies, sort of by omission, some of them straight up inaccuracies, but also just inaccuracies by omission that this paints the picture of this FISA warrant as being, you know, motivated by bias and, you know, sort of tricking the court into issuing it, but that's not true because it doesn't present enough facts. So Democrats are are really harping on that. They're also pointing out that they were blocked from releasing their own sort of rebuttal memo, which would have maybe cleared up some of these inaccuracies. The White House is sort of saying, and President Trump himself is saying, you know, wow, this shows great abuse at the FBI. We need to get this under control. The Justice Department has has sort of come out and the attorney general issued a statement and his was sort of right down the middle, like, well, to the extent that there are abuses, we'll look into that. We're not perfect, but I believe in the men and women of the Justice Department. But it's causing all the controversy that you would expect. Although there is some element out there that feels like this is underwhelming, you know, that this doesn't build the case that Republicans sort of promised all week that it would. James Comey, who is one of the people named here, the former FBI director, tweeted about it this morning. I think the first two words were, that's it, you know, and I mm. think that reaction is out there, too. Interesting. So can we go back really quick to the uh, memos that Democrats wanted to also release? And you said they were blocked. What, yeah. What's going on there? Yeah. So early this week, when Republicans were deciding whether they could make this thing public. They have to go through this process where the House Intelligence Committee votes to do that. So they had they had let other members of the House see it and then they're voting to make it public and that would send it to the White House to be reviewed for five days. I, I think I went into that earlier. At the same time, the Democrats had a memo and they wanted to have the same kind of vote. Hey, if you're going to make this Republican memo public, why don't we vote and make this Democratic memo public? And their memo, it's not released, but we understand it's really like a rebuttal. It just lays out facts that they feel like Republicans left out and in Democrats view like completes the picture here. You know, while the Republicans are painting this picture as a FISA warrant that was gotten with bad information, Democrats are filling in what they see as the gaps. Well, the Republicans vote against releasing that memo. They just vote to release their own. The argument they give is like, look, 
our memo got to be seen by all members of the House. It's kind of been longer in the pipeline. Yours is just a response to ours. Maybe we'll be willing to release yours, but not now. We need to consider that later. Democrats, of course, shoot back. Look, that's just because you want yours to be the only one out there and kind of control the narrative and set the tone that while the FBI is so corrupt without all the facts being there. And the Democrats today issued a big, long statement. You wonder if it might have drawn on their memo, pointing out some of the facts they think are wrong. Okay, so what's next in this whole narrative? I mean, will we see any action? Will this, what action would that be? You know, does it just fade away? So I think there are a couple things we will be looking for in the coming days. One is Democrats or other people filling in the gaps. So at least for today, or maybe for a few hours today, Republicans will get some of these hits, especially on conservative cable news outlets that, hey, the dossier produced the warrant and this whole thing is political. But we'll be looking for what other information is in that warrant. You know, how do Democrats respond? Eventually, we'll be looking for what does the Democrats memo say and how does that fill in the gap? So I feel like we have a part of the story here and we're looking for them to fill in the rest. But maybe the more important thing that we're looking for in the next coming days is how does the Trump White House react and how does the Trump White House react in terms of personnel changes at the Justice Department? We understand before this thing was released, that President Trump maybe saw it as a way to oust Rod Rosenstein. So now we need to see, does he do that? Does the talk of that get a little more serious? You know, he is a connoisseur of cable news. I'm sure he'll be watching closely to see how cable news takes this, how the public takes this. So, and we'll be, we'll be watching to see how he reacts to that. And, and what does he do? You know, I think in a most dramatic scenario, this could provoke him to make mass changes at the Justice Department, and that would have repercussions that are really hard to predict. It's also possible that he assesses the memo and assesses the public reaction and says, this is out there. Maybe this is just another way for me to attack the Mueller investigation, and that's it. I'm not going to make changes. One more point. You know, there's been a lot of coverage lately about Trump potentially sitting for an interview with Robert Mueller and his lawyers have been in negotiations with Robert Mueller's team. There's some thought that maybe this could play into that in this way. If he decides he doesn't want to sit with Robert Mueller's team, he'd likely have to plead the Fifth Amendment to do that. And that would obviously provoke a lot of controversy. People would say, well, you think you could incriminate yourself. You must be guilty of something. But if this would in some way help him lay the groundwork that, well, this is a politically motivated probe, I would never sit for that. I think that could be an important thing. That might be a longer term thing, maybe not something in the next couple of days. But certainly when it when the talks about his interview get a lot more serious or intensive, if I even more, we'll be looking to see, does he, does he bring up this memo if he declines to sit down with Mueller's team? All right, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really helpful. You guys can find Matt on Twitter at... Matt Zapp. And you can find me at I am Carol Beth. Thank you all so much for listening. And as always, you can find Can He Do That anywhere you listen to podcasts and learn more at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. like can he do that you should check out some of our other great podcasts like constitutional a series about how people have framed and reframed the constitution over time from host lillian cunningham or try cape up with jonathan capehart 
where Jonathan brings you the voices you need to hear on the topics you try to avoid. You can find these shows anywhere you listen to podcasts and learn more online at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. The Washington Washington, Washington, Washington Post. Post.